Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 49 of the PDH Pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V, and let me check in on my co-hosts from the East Coast. First up, Dave the Sick Alcadron Vader. How's it going? I'm sick. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's lingering, huh? Yeah, I've, I've had... I've had a heck of a day. I uh, Today is, uh, in Massachusetts, we have something called the MCAS, which is like a standardized state issue that everyone <laughs> has to take. So today was mm-hmm. MCAS testing for math, which I got to lead Proctor group in because I'm a math teacher. And it was a department meeting after school, so I stayed until uh, like 4.30 doing department meeting stuff. And mm-hmm. it was the due date for progress midterm progress reports for everyone so i stayed until like 5 40 finishing all that up and i'm sick so uh that is a lot of extra work to do yeah it has been an entire day but i'm now delighted to come home to my second job which is recording a podcast with you guys yeah talking about some heckin pdh yeah i'm ready for it awesome awesome well next up is colagon's warmonger himself liam how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm just looking for the next enemy to fight. If if you yep. don't get that reference, go look up Culligan Warmonger's flavor text. I'm doing all right. Uh, in Maryland, we have this thing called MCAP, uh, and today was math testing for MCAP, so that was great. <laughs> um, <laughs> huh. I, did, I did not have to stay after work. Uh, I got to come home and be home presently at, at 4 p.m. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, you were the first one in the uh, in our little recording. Yeah, that and that's room. astounding because I'm always the last one here. So yeah, how are you doing? All right, good stuff, Brad. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Things are so starting to smooth out a little bit. We had a uh, kind of a rough week at work. Yada yada yada, adult crap that I don't really that I want to keep behind me. So. But it's looking good. We're going good, going well. Uh, I'm ready to talk about some PDH, I think. Take a little break from everything else. I would love to talk about PDH. I would, too. we got some good ones to talk about. Before we talk about those, though, let's do some housekeeping. As usual, if you like the show, like what we're doing, check us out over on Patreon at patreon.com slash the PDH pod. Uh, we actually want to give a couple shout-outs to some new patrons this week. A big thanks to KCM and Caleb D for joining the PDH Pod family, and to Adgan BBQ for their increased pledge. That amount of support we've received in, you know, it's been almost a year. It is totally humbling. humbling. Like, I see it every month. It's honestly very cool, the, the amount of support we get. Even not just the financial support, but just, like, the, the support from the community in general. It's very cool, very humbling, and we we very much appreciate it. I I still lose my entire mind every time someone asks me what my my PDH pod hoodie means. I'll be like, let me let me tell you a story about where this <laughs> yeah, comes sit from. Sit down for a second. <laughs> like this was sent to me by a fan, <laughs> right? Yeah, I just yep, like same. I'm I'm just fangirling the whole conversation, like waving my arms around, like yelling a little bit. It's uh, Scooby's the yeah, best. It's awesome, Scoob. Thank you for, for being you, Scoob. 
And so, uh, yeah, by being a patron, you not only get to send us uh, wardrobe material, PDH pod logo <laughs> stuff, <laughs> you also get access to the pre-show, which we usually post every week. We try to post every week. It's like a little uh, extra bonus episode. And then I usually try to post the uh, actual episode on Patreon along with the show notes uh, before it goes out to the general public. So you kind of follow along with what we're talking about, get a early access to the episode, if you will. Uh, check us out over on YouTube or the PDH pod over there as well. And then my Saturday streams, the uh, twitch.tv slash the PDH pod. We're pretty much the PDH pod wherever you look for us. And then sometimes if you want to catch me and or Alk on Robert's streams on Monday, you can do that as well over on Twitch. You can watch uh, Alk mill out everybody with Ruined Crab. That was <laughs> that was wild. I know you've talked about that deck before, but I, I've never actually seen it in action. I've only seen it like in 60 card formats where it was legal. It didn't. It didn't do it anything. Did some, it it I, did. It was more efficient than I thought it was going to be. I guess. Oh yeah, I mean, I guess I, I know you were like a, you, you were. You said you were a few cards away from the combo, but I was all of still... the cards away from the combo. <laughs> <laughs> I had zero combo pieces in my hand when I was eventually and inevitably run over by goblins. But I, oh. I guess I did get through half his deck before I went down. Yeah, yeah, you got through a pretty good chunk of it. Yeah, that is right, because you said, okay, this, this is probably my last draw. If this is all the pieces of the combo right. and one card, this, I win. If this one draw step <laughs> is all three combo pieces, then this is game over for you, buddy. Uh, yeah. Spoilers, it wasn't. Yeah, w weirdly enough, it was yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, he, My friend and I used to, to do that joke constantly with each other. Like when he and I were playing a game of Magic, we would be like, all right, if this one card is Wrath of God, I win, and they would be like, "You're mono black," and I was like, "Oh, okay. If this one card is is fast bond and a forest and two planes and wrath of God, it's game over for you, nerd." I like, win. <laughs> and then he um, like that that was our little in joke that we did with each other. Like he did it to a stranger once at a tournament. He was like, "If this next card is two shrapnel blasts, I am winning the game." And his next card was Thoughtcast. Uh -huh. Which drew him into two shrapnel blasts, and uh -uh. he laughed so hard he fell out of his chair and got a game loss for unsportsmanlike conduct. <laughs> uh, so that happened. That was during um that Mirrodin. That is standard. amazing. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, it was a it's a good story. Called shot. I love it. Right. All right. So the uh, professional podcasting housekeeping is out of the way. Liam, you got any uh, this weekend magic for us? Uh, yeah. There was an online CPDH tournament this past weekend, uh, but more on that later. Booyah. I think you're right. I think that uh, leads us right into the main topic, which is the SanctuaryPDH.com Open Series PDH tournament that happened on the 13th, which I believe was Saturday. This is a really cool series. Uh, it's the first one in what we hope will be a long line of open series organized by SanctuaryPDH.com. Uh, we all know our community loves any chance they get to show off the format, and the icing on the cake is that this this event was completely free. It was ran through their Discord, and I believe all the games were played on Spell Table or w Webcam, basically. Uh-huh. And even though it was free, there was some really awesome prize support for the top four. Like, they were giving away uh, Inked Gaming, gift cards, Quiver Time accessories, playmats, all this really cool stuff. And with that just a, a couple days behind us, we thought this week would be a really good opportunity to sort of dive into the results of that event, see what the meta looked like, and who took home first place. But 
I think we should give a shout out to first place. What do you think? I think so. Before we before we give a shout out to the first place player, we need to talk about what first place means in this tournament. Um, yes, yes. It, this was a three did. round tournament, so it was it's three rounds of Swiss, um, and each each game was a four player pod. There were sixteen players, so you know the first round was four different four player pods, and it was five points for a win and one point for a draw because these were timed rounds. Uh, a number of the rounds just went to time, and like if the you know active player finishes their turn, if the game still isn't over. It's a draw, and everyone mm-hmm. everyone still in the game gets one point. Um, so three rounds of Swiss, and then a cut to top four, and the top four just battle it out in a pod of their own with no timer until mm-hmm. game ends and there's a winner. So it is unreal to imagine. Like you know, if if you're if you're if you're doing like a one v one game kind of thing, then you would imagine that the first place winner probably you know three would the rounds of Swiss and then won the finals. Yeah. If you're doing four player pods, it is unreal to imagine that that is what happened. But that is exactly what happened. One exactly guy what happened. just dominated every single pod he was in all day long. He four would the thing. Yeah. Th- he that didn't, is wild. He didn't have to do that. He didn't. He didn't. Ha- he didn't have to do him like that. Like after his second win, he was guaranteed in the top four, and he just got the third one, just just because he could. Why not? Right? He could. Like yeah. So and then and then he stepped into the finals and just ruined everyone there as well. Uh, I am of course talking about Gatorbait TV, our favorite Floridian. Uh, and he was on Abdel and uh, a blue background whose name is unimportant and abilities don't matter because it never got cast. See, that's that is wild to me. Like, I don't mean to interrupt, but when you when I found out that that's what he was playing and that he dominated the whole tournament, I thought, okay, for sure it's Flicker combo, Sword Coast Sailor. Yeah. You know, is doing most of the work here. Yada yada nope. yada. But that apparently was not the case. So here's here's the function that Sword Coast Sailor provides to the Abdel deck. Gives you access to blue cards and mm-hmm. makes Which it so that you, you, you there's one less card you have to put into your deck. You get to run a 98 card deck. That's fair. That sure. is that is the function of the background. Doesn't doesn't get cast. <laughs> I guess I guess if you're really absurdly desperate, you can cast it just to have another permanent that you can exile with Abdel to create another soldier. That is the thing that you are technically allowed to do if you are really desperate for something but i i watched um i watched two of his games never saw him cast it never even saw him think about casting it it is so it was really just azorius abdel it's yeah it's just abdel plus blue like yeah the background contributes nothing but a color identity as far as i know yeah so congratulations gator uh that was a terrific work more impressive that's crazy yeah but yeah there was a um there was a lot of people that we knew playing in this. For for the PDH devotees out there, there was plenty of household names in this tournament. Uh, like Puzzlebox showed up. You said he 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 jumped in at the last minute. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Celtic Celtic Majora was in there. Celtic Majora is one of our Patreons. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, he uh, he was Ed he was, Shiny rocking, was in um, there. He was rocking the Seder Seder Enchanter. Yes. Yeah. I I was envisioning it. I couldn't come up with the name. Yeah. The 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 uh the miser's copy of Seder Enchanter. I'm very very impressed by that. Yeah, like A. Aaron Agro, sort of the uh the the new gut leader version 
creator mm-hmm. is, was in there as well. We were, we were. Ryan and Clay from the popper or, or common connoisseurs were in there. It was really high powered players throughout the whole whole event. I yeah. believe. We were talking about a a Aaron Agro's um, got leader build a couple of weeks ago when we did our mm-hmm. three by three partners. Uh, yep, that's the one I picked. Yeah, yeah, excellent deck, excellent deck builder, uh-huh. and uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I think. I think we should just sort of hop into the results. What do you think? Sort of how the the meta shook out, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to talk about the the meta results. One thing that I thought was pretty interesting, and I'd like to see how this is going forward as well. In this event alone, like just this event by itself, there was three third path iconoclast decks, two gut decks, true soul zealot, and four Gretchen decks. Like. I wonder if th- th- that's a lot. <laughs> that is just a four. solid twenty-five percent of the meta share. Just yeah. all Gretchen all <laughs> yeah. the time. Four Gretchen feels like a lot, especially considering only one got into the top four. Yeah, yeah. There were four yeah, Gretchens, and point. they got they did not <laughs> see I mean, the success. And I mean, I I'm totally on board about the four Gretchen plan because the last two really big, really publicized tournaments we had. Both got dominated by Gretchen. Yeah. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. Puzzle. Yeah, that that that's what I was thinking. Puzzle took down the whole uh, budget EDH tournament, not PDH. Mm-hmm. Budget EDH. He brought a PDH deck to that and rocked the whole thing with Gretchen. And then Bobby Beefine brought Gretchen to uh, the um, Dallas's thing in Philly, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and one one Philly with that with yeah. with another Gretchen deck. So I'm happy to see Gretchen still doing doing well, but I definitely think that I want to see more diversity. Is it something people are starting to metagame for, or I I think that's it. Probably. Like, here's here's what is fascinating to me about Gretchen. I think that in terms of raw power level, Gretchen is slightly less powerful than Tetiova. I think the reason that she gets played more is because... I think there's two reasons. I think that she's a two-mana blocker that doesn't immediately draw the aggro hate removal that Tetiova does. Yeah. And I think that... um, So I think that like her being able to be a board presence that can block things and discourage aggro and like not just... She she loses to, to things like Gut or Battlecry Goblin slightly less immediately than Tetiova does. So I think I think her drawing less aggro and having a much cheaper, much less high priority target on her makes her more appealing than than Tichova. And I think that that worked before she had a reputation. Yep. Very well said. Now yep. now mm-hmm. that now that we're in the post Gretchen has taken down two entire high profile tournaments. Now we're in now that we're in that phase of Gretchen's existence we're seeing people target Gretchen and focus her down before she can do combo things and just sort of bully her out of the game in the same way that people would otherwise bully a Tachiova out of the game. Yeah. Like she sure. kind of skated under the radar for a little while, but that, that we might be done with that era now. You may be right. This may be the event that sort of like turned the corner for, for the Gretchen deck being, being the, the top tier. I, uh, I hope this doesn't come out as too salty, but okay. um, I hope that this is the event that does that for Abdel as well. I, I am so I am with you. I'm tired with you. of Abdel doing things, and like I <laughs> just just doing Gator, things in general. <laughs> Gator, I love you. I'm very proud of you. Good choice can, of the tournament. Can can we collectively 
bully Abdel out of games as aggressively as we do Tetiova and Gretchen now? Like, have we? Are we there yet? Well, so I want to I want to do a bit of a thought experiment with that. You know, obviously nobody wants combo winter, like ever, right? So we we don't want you know C CPDH to just be Abdel and Gretchen and Tatiova decks and whatnot. But at the same time, right now I believe the only like hyper aggressive aggro deck in CPDH is Gut, right? Is is Iconoclast super aggressive? Yes. Like I know it's Spellslinger makes Iconoclast tokens. is much more mid rangey. Yeah, I was saying. I th- yeah, it's very I was about to say I thought Icon- Iconoclast was mid rangey. So my my yeah, my point is. being, until there is a diversity of aggro decks that are available, you know, bullying all the combo decks out of the table means that everyone is playing gut. And is that really much better? I recognize the the point you're trying to make, and my counterpoint is, uh, bird horse. Bird horse is really really good at bullying okay. combo decks. But there's no bird horse at this tournament. I know. <laughs> what? Yeah. What's up? Yeah. With that? Why didn't you I, play it? I, 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 I was. I thought that I had like plans to hang out with people in the real world that day, and I had to cancel those plans because I'm I'm still sick. <laughs> so I was just at home in my underwear on the couch, and I. Uh, yeah, you actually got pulled into commentating I, the tournament. I did. I'm just. That's amazing. I'm sitting. I'm sitting at home on my couch, like ah, my plans are ruined for today, and then this. You know, this message pops up on the Discord, like, the tournament's starting, come check it out. So I, I popped into the Twitch channel, and I was like, hey, everyone, like, what's going on? I'm, and I, I started, like, providing a you know a tiny bit of running commentary in the Twitch chat over text. And then yeah, uh, yeah. B-Fine messages me on Discord privately, and he's like, hey, can you, can you get in here as a commentator? And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And, uh, that is awesome. So, yeah, it turns out that, you know, the, the master plan was to have two or three commentators as mm-hmm. as you know tournament organizers as as commentators like it was going to be uh Bobby and Puzzle together but both of both sure. of the Gretchen lads <laughs> but they uh the tournament didn't quite hit 16 people it needed so uh Puzzle got pulled into playing and Bobby was going to commentate by himself and no one likes monologues <laughs> we we want we Ooh, want not conversations for, not for 7 or 8 hours yeah. yeah uh so he uh he pulled me in there and it was super fun i'm so grateful that he he extended that offer to me cuz i had a fantastic time, you know, chat, chatting with him, chatting with the Twitch, trying to figure out what people were doing, what people were thinking. Like it's, mm-hmm. sure, it's kind of hard to like provide that running commentary when you don't get any of the audio for the game. So you just you see people put cards down in silence, and you're like, I wonder, I wonder what kind of conversation happened, or like when someone attacks, yeah, someone you're like, yeah. I wonder, I wonder why he's attacking this person, like what's what's the plan, and like you you have to assume that there's you know some significant information passing back and forth that you just don't get. So like, it's actually really fun to speculate on that, like with oh, a conversation so <laughs> partner. So I I had a blast. I'm I'm really grateful that I got that opportunity. It's gonna be really yeah. good practice for me in June. Because I am mm-hmm. on board to commentate RIW tournament in Detroit, June twenty fourth. Indeed. So uh, we shall be side side by side, my friend. Yes. Yeah, I used to commentate um, MTGO sixty card popper tournaments on Twitch, and there's no audio. I mean, there's no voice audio there. If if anything, there's just game sound effects. And yeah, it's the same thing. He's trying to guess like why they mulliganed or why didn't they mulligan and why are they attacking here and what's their what's their thought process and that that, that can lead to a lot of interesting um conversations with your with your co-host 
Yeah. So one thing I did notice about the uh, 16 decks is, I guess if you take out the menacing skeletons, there is no black in this tournament. There are exactly zero black cards in this entire <sighs> tournament. There were no marsh that crocodiles. Is, there was no That Tormund. is surprising to me. There's no crypt rats. There's no yeah, right, Rilsa. No pestilence. There's no, no Rilsa. passageway seer. No pestilence. No no arms of Hadar. Not a single oubliette. Not a single oubliette. And like, what's wild to me is that even in the absence of pestilence, arms of Hadar, eye blight massacre, crypt rats, none of these in the tournament at all, and gut still kind of got bodied. Right. Like, right. You're absolutely right. So that was that was pretty wild to see. I think there was a lot of, uh... you know, I'll have to look at the deck list a little bit closer, but I feel like it's one of those things where Gut and TPI, you know, they were sort of metagaming for the Gretchen decks while Gretchen was metagaming for, in, in reverse, for Gut and TPI. But I think if it's anything like the formats I used to play, like 60-card formats, I feel like combo decks have a little easier time metagaming for aggro than the other way around, if that makes sense. So I wonder if that's why there just wasn't a lot of gut. I mean, and there wasn't a lot of gut registered either. It's not like there was four guts registered and only two made the top 16. There was only 16 decks. Yeah. So, but yeah, after the uh, the paper PDH events we've had this year or recently, I thought for sure gut was going to be the highest percentage rate deck at the tournament, but not quite. We did have a singleton copy of Finn the Fangbearer and Seder Enchanter, so that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Some people brought some out- outliers to the... Uh, to the event. That's pretty our, sweet. Our very own Celtic Majora rocking the uh, yeah. Seder Enchanter. And I I love a good Seder mm-hmm. Enchanter CPDH list. Yeah. He was he was playing in the first game that I commented, yeah. the first the first sort of spotlight game that, that uh, Bobby and I sat down to watch. And uh it was heartbreaking because about five minutes after we started commentating, he just got yeeted out of the game by a double-striking Dargo. <laughs> and the game went for another, like, 40 minutes. And we were like, oh, no! Poor Celtic Majora! This is terrible! <laughs> and these were all run through the Sanctuary PDH Discord, yeah. right? Yeah, it was... Because okay, uh, yeah, they have their own website that'll take you to their Discord and their Twitter and all that good stuff. Yep, yep. It was on the... The Sanctuary has its own Discord, uh, which is how they, they organized all the games. I don't know if people were doing audio through Spelltable or through the Discord, but uh, everything was organized through the Discord. Um, Excellent. And then it was streamed to Twitch. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's cool. Yeah. We, and apparently this one went well enough. They're going to start doing these monthly. Yeah. At least that's what the website says. So that should be interesting to see. I definitely would like to get in on, on one of them. Yeah. It should be a really good time. I, I hope yeah. they ask me back to commentate again because I had a blast. I want to do that again. Yeah, I bet. I, like I, I bet I, that was really cool. My my patience for C, CPDH games uh ends very quickly when I'm playing in CPDH games. Uh, mm-hmm. But when I when I get to just spectate and talk about it and like critique yeah. everyone else's decisions without making any decisions of, of my own, <laughs> uh, turns out my, my endurance lasts for hours and hours and hours. Right, yeah. Yeah, and this was seven or eight hours of CPDH games. Yeah, Philly, I, I can definitely attest, attest to that. Philly was interesting. Um, I think part of it is 
in in a lot of tournaments that I've ever played, and I've always played kind of aggro mid range, and that was legit the first tournament I've ever played in with a control deck. Yeah, and that's you know for for playing you know Gretchen or anything like that, like eight hours of a combo deck is a lot of brain power to use. Like that would be exhausting for me. Holy cow, it's impressive. I started doing this thing like partway through the tournament where I was. You know, I was, I was I was watching the combo players really closely, the Parcel Beasts and the Gretchens, because they have there's just so much going on with those board states and with those stack actions, and like trying to you know detangle that for the commentary without the audio uh, a challenge. So I was I was eagle eyeing yeah. that stuff, and sometimes I would <laughs> I would be like, I wonder I wonder if this player realizes that he has to do this now or he has to make this certain action because he won't be able to do it later. <laughs> like, you know, they they don't do the action and pass the turn. I was like, oh, they're trying to do it now on someone else's turn. That's not going to work, friend. Like, <laughs> it was easy for, for me, who wasn't there, to, like, yeah, right. criticize <laughs> these things. Like, ah, he should have done that differently. Like, he he made a mistake. But, like, I, I had food. <laughs> I was, like, I was yeah, chilling right? on my couch in my pajamas. Like, I was, I was well yeah, cared for. Life, so. of a, life of a commentator. Yeah. What do you think? You want to talk about some decks? I would love to talk about some decks. Let me pull up this link here. So like we said, there were 16 total players. And we're just going to kind of run through 5 through 16, and then we'll sort of semi-deep dive on the uh, on the finals table, the top four there. So looks like we had um, Scorish on third path iconoclast that was one of the three i believe tpi decks at the event which was also kind of impressive i know that it's a popular commander i guess i didn't realize it it's the level of popularity it is actually it's fun i built a tpi deck almost as soon as i had one in paper but i don't know for some reason i wasn't expecting it to be uh, that well represented at, at such a small turnout then uh, it, is, it is very good and also very new which I think is very spikes new. the popularity mm -hmm. of it a lot. That's true. That's a good point. And then right above TPI, we had back-to-back -back, uh, Gretchen list. We had uh, Manila Midget and <gasps> Puzzle Box, our very own Puzzle Box, on um, both on Gretchen. I don't think we're going to, unless you guys saw something in the deck list themselves, I don't think we need to do too, too deep of a dive on the card choices and differences between similar lists and all that sort of thing. Nah. I do have a question, okay. though. Yes. When is Puzzle coming on our show? Right? This is this has been put out into the universe now. Puzzle. You Contact should be hearing me. this at about 10.30 in the morning on Friday. That's, that, is, that is when I'm expecting a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> Not even a message. The phone better ring. Puzzle, Puzzle knows what's good. He knows what time it is. All right, then after that, we have one of the two gut-inspiring leader decks. I believe they're both gut leaders. Yeah, yeah. they're both gut-inspiring leaders. Both gut leaders. And then um, looks like Joe. I believe Joe, if this is the Joe that I'm thinking of, I think they just also started a uh, PDH podcast, so oh, that should cool. be very interesting. Uh, they're on one of your favorites, Dave, Parcel Beast. Yeah, I was yep, yep. very very surprised to see this show up. What do, what do you think about Parcel Beast in a uh, bigger paper tournament? Uh, like I know it's a combo deck. It's a very it can be a very strong combo deck. I just I I never really thought about it as a uh, competitive combo deck. I don't know if that was erroneous on my part, but I've I've always thought of it as competitive. I think that it is. It I think that it's about it's it's very Gretchen ish. Um, mm -hmm. it gets a couple more combo lines because of like weird 
like Gretchen. Gretchen is cool because Gretchen is just like the the combo lines with lots of redundancy. It's a lot of land on tappers. It's a lot of land auras, and those yeah. like when you're not comboing with those, you're still generating 15 mana a turn that you can just yeet into Gretchen for lots of card draw. So it's just a lot right. of value plays there. <laughs> like sure. Parcel Beast is capable of similar sort of value output, but it has to Parcel Beast has to run really bad cards to get there. Things like Horseshoe Crab and Soliton McRagworm. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Horseshoe Crab is a good card. Horseshoe Crab is a great card for Parcel Beast. Uh I wouldn't put it into a Gretchen deck because it doesn't do anything <laughs> on its this own. This is true. So like This is true. Your value engine is very different and relies on like weird cards that are also sort of more vulnerable than Gretchen's. But uh, once you get the value engine online, it is a slightly stronger value engine. You can be doing the Gretchen. Gretchen costs four mana to do her thing. Parcel Beast uh-huh. usually yep. costs two. So it's I, I definitely think it's about on par with Gretchen in terms of raw power level. Uh, it oh, just okay. gets there with like much. It gets there with a much more bizarre collection of cards, which means that if you don't get the right combinations of cards at the right phases mm-hmm. of the game, you just don't get to do things like Gretchen does. <laughs> you, don't, you don't get to play the game. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so if they're pretty similar from what you were just saying, it, it, do you think the choice of Parcel Beast over Gretchen is just more of a personal preference then? I think it is. I, think... I, I just really like Parcel Beast, so that's what I'm going to play. I... I choose to play Parcel Beast. Like it's one of the competitive decks that I have built and that I maintain. I choose it because it lets me extract this absurd value pile out of otherwise like bad cards like Simic Rag Simic Ragworm, I I just I just you know, I'm in the process of putting together my one hundredth PDH deck in paper. Simic Ragworm yes. isn't in any of them except <laughs> Parcel Beast. Except Parcel Beast. And that it turns into such a massive value engine in Parcel Beast is endlessly entertaining to me. And yeah. like even outside of, you know, mutate a parcel beast onto it and use it for value, like the deck the deck's outlet for combos are like banishing knack things, which Gretchen doesn't use. And like Viridian Longbow things, which Gretchen mm-hmm. so yeah. like to me it's just a much more interesting deck. The the combo lines are a little weirder, and that makes them much more fun to me. Yeah, that's fair. Gretchen that makes is sense. Yeah. Gretchen is super basic. <laughs> like I, she's she's out at that. the Starbucks, she's getting the pumpkin spice lattes, she's got <laughs> she's got She's got a sign in her living room that says "Live, Laugh, Love." She is oh, in the uh, mountain cursive font. Yes, on fake I, wood. I, I definitely feel and 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 share the same uh, things about Parcel Beast versus Gretchen, and and for me, it's more so that Parcel Beast says "Mutate" on it. Yeah, and that automatically makes it a good and fun card. Yep. Uh, but I also I also like approaching the the idea of I'm going to win with an infinite combo. Well, I'm going to win by doing wacky things from what is play pattern wise a more fun play pattern, in my opinion, of it's going to be different. There's not a deck like what I'm doing in the meta. That's a good point. Yeah, there's nothing else like Parcel Beast out there. Like, right. Cool. I definitely appreciate that aspect of it. Yeah, I do too. Uh, moving up from Parcel Beast, we have our first uh, appearance of Malcolm, Keen-Eyed Navigator, played by Zlane, uh partnered with Kedis, Emberclaw Familiar, 
And then right up from that, we have our back-to-back Singleton copies of Fin, the Fang Bear, and Seder Enchanter that we touched on earlier. Uh, congrats to those two. I hadn't even, like, I love Seder Enchanter. I love Voltron decks. I love Aura decks, enchantments, all that stuff. And that's not even, I don't know if I would have brought a deck like that. It may not have been on my radar if I had shown up to this tournament. So good choice. I'm glad that it showed up. I'm glad you, um, I wonder if there's a way to find out the records. But either way, I'm, I'm glad to see it make an appearance here. And up from there, looks like uh, roughly eighth place, we have Dargo and Keleth. And then another third path iconoclast up from there, uh, another Gretchen, another gut zealot, and then we get to the uh, the top four. Now, Dave, this is where I was actually impressed. Like you filled in the whole show notes with like how you remembered the rounds, what was played, all that sort of thing. Do you want to give us a little bit of breakdown of those, or do you want to hop right into the top four? I I feel like the top four. The, the the finals is probably the exciting bit, so maybe yeah. we talk about that first. Just just in case anyone is listening to this ninety minute podcast on their sixty minute drive, <laughs> let's make sure that they get the finals and they know how this ends. And then that then professional podcasting. That's that's why that's why we make the big bucks. That's right. That's right. So yeah, the finals was fascinating matchup. I was in in this recent era of. In this, in this sort of recent, we've heard a lot recently about competitive meta shifts, like towards aggro and mid range with lots of very aggressive beating decks. Like uh, Gut is a beating, you know, Rilsa and Passageway Seer are very aggressive beatings. Um, mm-hmm. We've heard a lot about that lately, so I was sort of surprised to see that the finals for the Sanctuary tournament were Abdel combo, Gretchen combo. Dargo Malcolm combo ish <laughs> question I mean, mark. Dar- yes. There's there's a Dargo in there, so like the beatings are available, but I think it's yeah. more of a combo <laughs> deck than not. Um, right. And Dargo is more just there for red, I think. And it's a and, beating. And, I mean, I've seen and, and, and yeah, I've played, and potential beatings. I played against sure. Clay. This is this is Clay's deck. Dargo Malcolm is Clay's baby. His his brainchild. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've played against this deck a handful of times, and uh. The the number of times I have had to fend off a Dargo that is coming directly for my life is uh, <laughs> it's hard to do. It's hard to keep Dargo yeah, off board when when Clay it really decides is. that it's time for Dargo to be a thing. Like <laughs> you have to put a lot of effort into it. When it's Dargo time, it is hard to stop. I won a game once by um I got it down to just just. Clay and I left in the pod, and I was one Dargo hit away from death, and he was one bird horse hit away from death, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was his turn, so I was really sweating it, and he cast Dargo with Dragon's Breath in the yard to give it haste, oh, and I okay. cast Chomano's Blessing on his Dargo <laughs> to give it pro-red. So that the dragon's breath fell off, and oh, that's how I survived my turn. And then I killed him with the bird horse. It was, it's crazy. Anyway, um, excellent. So we have we have the finals with three combo decks, and then the the fourth deck in this meta or in this in this pod is Ryan on Third Path Iconoclast. Yep, which is just a mid range value grind, make a lot of bodies, beat you to death with them. This TPI build is fascinating to me because it's 
It's so good. It's so cool. I love it a lot. It utilizes a lot of, um, I mean, it, it uses a, utilizes a lot of cantrips to dig through the deck to get what you want. What you want is a pinger, like Thermo Alchemist or Kessig Flame Breather, or maybe maybe the deck even runs Sawblade Scamp. I don't know. Mm -hmm. You want these pingers, not only to pressure life totals, but also so that you can put curiosity effects on them, like yes. Ophidian Eye or Tandem Lookout, because that becomes your, your value engine. And as you yeah. cast these cheap cantrips, you're now you're you're pressuring life totals and drawing three cards and creating a body that you can use to block or send a big attack. So uh, the deck does have a lot of um, pressure, a lot of inevitability, a lot of a lot of card draw. Very cool. Yeah, deck. the last time I played my my TPI deck, it was it was probably a, six weeks ago or so, and one of my first moves was like. Turn two, Firebrand Archer. Turn three, Ophidian Eye on it. Yeah. And it was off to the races until someone blew it up. Right. And, like, even after someone blows it up, like, you've already gotten crazy value. I, considering that you spent two cards and five mana, like, the value you get out of it before someone blows it up is kind of enormous. Yeah. And you're pulling mm -hmm. removal out of their hands to do it. Like, uh, it's... Right. Yeah. Like, you're, you're kind of not even mad when that goes down, because, like, <laughs> mission accomplished. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was that was Ryan's TPI deck, and uh, we've we've talked about Gretchen a little bit. It's just the standard issue, Simic good stuff combo. Uh, Clay's Malcolm Dargo list does run a lot of the standard issue Malcolm lines, like mm -hmm. um, you know play play reckless reckless Fireweaver and make it into a pirate, or yes, get freed from the reel on Malcolm with a Viridian Longbow. Or, or Quicksilver Dagger. Quicksilver yeah. Dagger, mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, it is very much a utilize Malcolm to get a combo, but instead of trying to facilitate that combo with something like Kedis or Breaches, uh, which will help you spread the damage around, Kedis makes it kind of a turbo deck to you know spread spread Malcolm's damage around to get more treasures. Mm -hmm. um, Breaches makes it more of a mid rangey deck to kind of get you know some card advantage off of people's libraries. Uh, Clay has chosen to go with Dargo just because Dargo uh, beats face. Yeah, he, uh, it beats a lot of face. He eats lobsters and he punches people. That's what he's here for. Yeah, just uh, straight out of the ocean, just chows on them. Yeah, so this, this allows Clay's deck to pivot in between pushing for a combo finish with Malcolm or really aggressively pressuring other combo decks with with dargo mm -hmm. uh so very cool deck there and then of course we have gator who never never lost a game at all on, it was just unstoppable on abdel Literally. with and the the abdel combo lines are just that you you get a mana rock and an archaeomancer <laughs> underneath abdel exiled with abdel and then you flicker Abdel, and the mana rock comes in untap, and you can use it to create mana. And the Archeomancer gets your flicker card back in hand, and you can just repeat that. If you get two mm -hmm. mana rocks, yep. then it's infinite mana. If you get two, you know, a mana rock and a, I don't know, spirited companion, anything that draws you a card, that's mm -hmm. unlimited card draw. You can dig through your deck until you find the other mana rocks or something. 
you know, a com- you know, a completely fair and balanced. <laughs> super fair, super balanced, super reasonable. That's why it went four zero. Reasonable. Four zero in a tournament of high powered decks. I just, I just can't believe that Abdel is an uncommon. Like, if it was a rare, they'd be perfectly fine. But yeah, I would. I, sure. Yeah. I yeah. feel. I feel the Honestly, same way about Tetsuya. But <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, stepping out of uh, CPDH for a moment, like I think the only thing stopping Abdel from being a powerhouse in CEDH is the fact that it is uncommon. People ignore the uncommons, and I think that's a mistake. Because, you know, we, we have the power in Abdel, in Dargo. Tatiova, I think, got through only because she was in that first wave of uncommon legends, and people were like, oh, this is going to be a thing. Let's, you know, pick the most powerful out of the bunch and, and tamper with it. Yeah. But I think people have mostly ignored uncommons since then, and I... I think CEDH is missing out a bit, but I, I really wish Abdel was was a rare. <laughs> I also wish Abdel was a rare. Um, but yeah, the 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 finals game was super interesting. Uh, Gretchen got bullied a lot early game. Um, mm-hmm. Abdel got bullied a little bit. Like I think with with four Gretchen decks at the tournament and only one making it to the finals, I think they all got bullied. They all <laughs> the got bullied a lot. Yeah, yeah. Gretchen, yeah. Gretchen was on the receiving end of a lot of violence <laughs> that day. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, so Gre- there, hmm? there was some stuff that needed to be walked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, it's it very therapeutic violence for a lot of people, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so like very early in the game, uh, Gator attempted a combo with um abdel and uh they the rest of the table just barely stopped it by throwing literally everything they had mm-hmm. like all three of them were chucking counter spells and removal spells and, everything, and they eventually got the combo like not sort of just like delayed which is sure. like you know, th- there were still like pieces of the combo were still sitting around. Like there was still an ephemerate in exile, rebounded, ready to blink the mnemonic wall mm-hmm. to get back another combo piece. It was just it was just sort of sitting there, threatening everyone. But then Gretchen took a turn, and everyone forgot about it. <laughs> so like, <laughs> yeah, right. And like Gretchen, you know, Gretchen eventually tutored up the freed from the reel and and tried. Mm-hmm. Tried to initiate its combo by, you know, casting Freed from Real on the land and tapper to go infinite, and uh, the land, the land and tapper ate a lightning bolt in response. Sure, um, as it should. And Gretchen responded to the lightning bolt with uh, an Alexi's cloak Ooh, to give it shroud, mm-hmm. which countered Freed from the Real. Oh, uh, which countered the Freed from so, the Real. So uh, oh, that no <laughs> did not go according to plan. Alexi's cloak is shroud, not hexproof. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a good card, but it is not yeah. hexproof. Yeah. So uh, from that point on, there was this, you know, this weird sort of king-making power struggle. Like uh, after after Alexis Club, Gretchen made no really meaningful contributions to the game. She just um, her life total was yeah. really low from getting bullied, and she eventually just died to the Kessig Flame Breather triggers off of TPI a uh, turn or two Brilliant. later. But um, from that point on, there was this sort of strange power struggle between Dargo and Abdel and Third Path Iconoclast 
because uh, TPI was pressuring everyone's life totals with the uh, the flame breather. Everyone was in the low mm -hmm. teens, and oh, um, yeah. Abdel's uh, combo attempt left him with something like twelve soldiers just sitting there. <laughs> and so for for many turns, Gator was just not getting aggressive with the soldiers. He was, you know, he was playing defensive with it because he kind of knew that as soon as he started turning them sideways, he was going to get beaten to death. Yes. Um, uh -huh. So he very wisely left those uh, vertical. Uh, while, but Dart, so Dargo was attacking TPI a little bit, and like Malcolm was was pressuring Abdel's life total. Um, so very, very fascinating three-way sort of power dynamic going on there. And then uh, the, the really pivotal moment happened when uh, Abdel attempted to combo again mm -hmm. and got the combo piece memory lapsed. So it's, nice. it's sitting on top of his deck. It's yep. face up. Everyone can see it. It's right there. It's right there, right on camera. And Dargo attacks TPI, and TPI taps out to cast, or like and TPI takes it, just takes the Dargo hit, uh -huh. and then on TPI's turn, he basically taps out to cast like Distant Melody to draw lots of cards, and then he attacks Dargo, and then they both just sort of pass the turn to Abdel. And neither of them had a plan. Like, Abdel's <laughs> like, what? I get a turn and my combo's on top? I, I literally draw into my combo? Like, how, what, what's your plan for stopping this? And Clay goes, find out. And he goes, okay, Clay, I attack you for 12 with my soldiers. And Clay goes, I lose. <laughs> and, then, and then Gator no. goes, I initiate the combo. You're mostly tapped out, Ryan. And Ryan goes, I try to pyroblast it, and he goes, I counter your pyroblast. And Ryan goes, that was all I had. And I was like, what? What just happened? Like, how what did you guys happened? not see this? It's literally face up on top of his deck. Like, what is happening <laughs> here? Did you all, like, did you forget about it? Like, what is going on? So, oh, uh, yeah. like That's wild. It was a situation, like, after, after attempting the combo, Abdel was mostly tapped out. Like he had, he had, all of his soldiers were tapped. He was shields down. If Dargo and TPI work together to kill him, he's dead. There's there's no stopping that attack. Sure, he's just mm -hmm. out of the game. And in, instead, they they just looked at his inevitable combo and they were like, "That's fine." And they just hit each other. And I was like, "What?" Let's beat each other up. <laughs> what what happened between Ryan and Clay? <laughs> Like before this round, <laughs> that they needed like what what kind of violence did they need to work out in therapy that uh -huh. day? Like, so uh, yeah, wild wild finish. Uh, Abdel that is a wild finish. Abdel took it uh, with with the very telegraph combo that that didn't get punished <laughs> I, 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 somehow. I don't know that you could get more telegraph than that. Right, literally every piece of it was face up on camera. Like, anyway, that's fantastic. Uh, very exciting final match. Super fun to watch. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm not. Sounds like a good, uh, good final four. Yeah, it was a great final four. I was, I was really excited to see that the final four was kind of combo centric. Like I, I this is gonna make me sound like an, a, a boomer, but I, I do kind of come from an era of CPDH when like combos were everywhere and the aggro scene mm -hmm. hadn't really developed. So, like. 
every every time i heard about this like the new meta and the developing meta and the changing meta like there's a there's a tiny little old man voice in my head that says like back in my day like get off my lawn so (laughs) like combo we liked it seeing that the the finals here was combo 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 mid-range it felt very i was like see i was right the whole time like felt very vindicating to me uh, yeah, it is like a uh, throwback, throwback to old PDH, but with new commanders. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so combo, combo definitely won. Uh, combo won all day long, Abdel. All day. Yeah. Not, not slowing down this train for anything. Yeah. Is there? Uh, do you guys want to talk about anything else about the final, or you want to run, run through uh, no, some other I think exciting that was, moments? Yeah, let's do some other exciting moments. That was excellent. I did, I did want to ask you guys though, both of you. With the um, the RIW event coming up in about five weeks, and with Sanctuary PDH uh, doing these events probably monthly, with this being the first one, I feel like there was probably a lot of eyes on it. Even though the um, the the players didn't quite turn out, you know, they didn't max it out with you know sixty four players or whatever. But I feel like there was a lot of eyes on it, at least following the results on Twitter and such. How do you think an event like this, specifically the the combo, 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 mid-range top four, how do you think this will affect paper tournaments, spell table, webcam tournament, ter- tournaments going forward, even in-person tournaments? Because I know the, like, Liam, you were at the Richest of Rags tournaments. They mm-hmm. Was it this combo heavy? I feel like it was not. I don't, I don't know that it was this combo heavy, but I know the Philly meta up there, a lot of their top players tend to play aggro or mid-range decks. So it only makes sense that the tournament there was more aggro mid-range. But there sure. was certainly combo floating around places. I mean, Gretchen won the event, so... Right, exactly. It was it was definitely present, but I think the, the meta was more evenly split between uh, combo, mid-range, aggro, all that jazz. Yeah, so I wonder if this will be one of those things where a lot of paper players look at uh, uh, results like this and they're like, oh, crap, everything's combo. I need to play not combo and and metagame for it. Or combo players are like, sweet, combo's the best right now. Let me play more of it. You know, I guess it could kind of go either way, but I think it'll be interesting to see how it affects because I feel like there's just going to be more and more of these paper tournaments popping up. So following the meta of, of the CPDH realm should be pretty interesting in the next few months or so, next year, I would imagine. Yeah, I, I could see it. But yeah, I think we can, um, Dave, if you don't mind talking about talking some more, we can touch on some more spicy, spicy happenings from the first three rounds. Yeah. Uh, so we can hop around. We can talk about decks, whatever you, uh, whatever you feel like talking about i i guess i'm 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 gonna try to talk about things in the order in which i think they're interesting mm-hmm. um, sure we're gonna get the other abdel win that i witnessed out of the way right away uh in yeah. round two i was watching uh oh and sorry gator was the only was the only abdel deck the only abdel. at the tournament yep yeah um, so yeah, this was another Gator win that I watched. It was Dargo plus Kellith as this Boros, very aggressive, very bullying deck sure. um, versus Abdel versus Gretchen versus uh, this might have been the other gut deck. 
maybe. I forget I I forgot who the fourth deck was in round two that Abdel was playing against. But this was a, a fascinating game for me to watch because Abdel, Gator, Parist, or Mulliganed down to something like five cards, I think. And then had what looked oh, wow. to me like a very lackluster start. Mm-hmm. And like he um like at one at one point, like during on turn like four or something, he had like, you know, a couple lands and a rock, and like he cast an opt, and then he archaeomancered his opt, and I was like, that smells like desperate. <laughs> and like I was I was watching this being like, man, he's in a bad spot. And then the next turn, like his his last card in hand or something was Cloud Shift. Mm-hmm. Which is the combo. Like he had the Archimancer online, he had the rock online. He yep. just hit the cloud shift and was like, PS, I make eight hundred million soldiers. And I was uh, like, Wow, he's not in a bad wow. spot at all. He is in the driver's seat of this game. Like <laughs> Archaeomancer for the opt, that's not desperation. That just that's feigned desperation to take eyes off the fact that he has Archaeomancer and a rock in play ready to just go with Ebdel. So yeah. um that was crazy to watch. Gaming. And like he didn't that that wasn't the game ending combo because that like he didn't he didn't have infinite card draw in it. He didn't have infinite mana generation. Mm-hmm. Like his the the rock that he used just gave him the the rock back to cast the cloud shift and the Archimancer just gave him the cloud shift back. The yeah. only thing this generates for him is 800 million soldiers. Sure. So he made them all, and then he passed the turn. And we were watching, like, you know, is is the maybe the maybe the fourth deck was like a TPI or something. Maybe it was the other TPI. I don't remember. We were watching, mm-hmm. like, is this guy going to fire a cannonade? Is this guy gonna elect <laughs> trickery? Like, we were trying to figure out, you know, like what what's coming. Everyone yeah. has what's a happening? whole turn cycle now to deal with these. 800 million soldiers like what is what are we going to see and like halfway through musing about that we realized that it doesn't matter like if you kill all the soldiers he can just make more at instant speed with the cloud shift like eventually they will get you (laughs) right like the 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 cloud shift hasn't gone away like no one has dealt with the archaeomancer like it's still just right there like you need to kill the 800 million soldiers and find a way to stop the combo if you want to if you want to get out of this and no one did we just went a whole turn cycle no one no one answered the soldiers at all gator got his untap and was like i attack you all with 800 million soldiers like yeah. nice game guys Jeez. like no Take one, that gg sh- show me a moment's peace like moment's peace buys you another <laughs> turn cycle but otherwise <laughs> we're packing it up like that was that yeah, was a good 10 a- minutes I opened up one of the TPI lists just at random from the 16, and this version, anyway, has zero red sweepers. Yeah. That's interesting. Maybe, maybe that's the one that was playing against Abdel right there. It might have been. No one, no one had an answer to 800 million one-butts. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that game, which is which is what, because, you know, going into this, with, like with this lack of black, I'm like, oh, that's really good for gut. Gut doesn't have to worry about pestilence or crypt rats or arms of Hadar, but like secretly, right. it was Abdel that it was good for. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was that was a, a really explosive game to watch. We just went from that's a good, that's a good point. Like 
if there had been a black deck or black X deck with the the crypt rats and the arms of Hadar and pestilence and all that, would Abdel have just taken the entire tournament? I I don't know. So like the the thing is that you know pestilence pestilence stopped. So so that that particular game was Abdel doing a really greedy combo. That was sure. a combo without without any real like you know counterspell backup. Like any any counterspell shuts that down, any yes. any burn spell like sets you back a turn. There's no there's no backup plan, and you have to just wait the turn cycle. That was that was a greedy maneuver, and it paid off really well. So mm-hmm. uh, prop props to Gator for knowing when when to hit the greedy lines. I think that yeah, absolutely. Black ha- like facing down a pestilence doesn't like Abdel doesn't lose to the pestilence. It just has to play much more conservatively. Mm-hmm. You can't. You can't overextend for those greedy lines when someone can say, you know, I play pestilence, like make make eight million bodies as as often as you want. I will kill yeah, them all. Do every it every time. turn, <laughs> right. right? Like, see, so you have to you have to combo with the the infinite mana line, or the in you know in unlimited card draw lines, or you know the hierophant's chalice. I think is the big outlet there because it's it's a mana rock that just pings someone every time it comes into play. So like you have mm. to have a a a much less greedy out in order to make that happen, but it it might just still happen. I mean, Abdel is a hell of a deck, so oh yeah, it is a very hell of a deck. It's very possible sure. that you know, even with a black deck in there, it's possible that Gator still wins that just twenty minutes into the round instead of ten. Right, right, yeah. It was just uh, something that just literally just popped in my head when you were talking a minute ago because Abdel's got the eight hundred million soldiers and TPI has probably forty soldiers and there's all these tokens running around, but there was yeah. no, no, no black to keep him in check, I guess. Yeah, which yeah, it's it's kind of wild. Yeah, so that game was uh, very explosive to watch. Just wa- watching Abdel pivot from he's in a bad spot to he just won the game like so explosively. <laughs> that was that was crazy for me to watch. A very different kind of game is the one that I watched in round one mm-hmm. in which uh, there was a player on Dargo plus Kelleth, uh, which is, you know, just Dargo's the red 7-5 beater. Kelleth is the, the white familiar, um, mm-hmm. the horse of... of bird horse fame that puts a plus one plus one counter on your commanders when they attack. So if your plan is to attack with Dargo as a seven, five, you know, if you cast Keleth first, now, now Dargo's attacking as an eight, five, which is two hit lethal. Gross. So that, that extra counter is important. It's also important that the second attack Dargo's a nine power. So like you need to, you need to do better than throwing a single one butt under it to survive. Yeah, because um, there is the deck is full of teamer battle rage and raking claws yep, and assault stroke and of, all the all the double strike effects. A lot of double, double cleave. Strike. Yep. So yeah, this this game, uh, Bobby and I sat down to commentate, and like right from the beginning, it looked very clearly like Dargo and Kelleth was sort of in the driver's seat. They were they were established. They were they had this you know beating online they were delivering it to people they had the mm-hmm. protection spells ready to go uh so they were they were making things happen with the dargo and the Kelleth from the beginning and what is wild to me about this first game i watched is that that never changed 
they were they were in the driver's seat they were in control of the game all game long start to finish like a couple times the other players did something to slow them down a little bit like dargo got bounced once or twice but i mean dargo comes back so easily yeah for cheap comes back for cheap and then that as soon as you know as soon as it turns sideways it's an eight power creature again and you're just right back where you started like bouncing it buys you a turn maybe two turns depending on it probably you know bouncing it buys you a turn but yeah no one no one came up with any permanent solutions so um this is the game where dargo Kelleth just sort of like immediately yeeted the Seder Enchanter player, Celtic, out of the game. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah. Seder, as far as I saw, and I started commentating this a little late, I, I think Seder Enchanter received the first of the Dargo beatings, Ugh, and then yeah. Dargo went for them the second turn. They tried to throw a couple toughness with the blockers under it to survive, and it got the Buccaneers bravado and just almost Aww. striked him. Yeah. In, into, yeah that'll, that'll do it into the void um and then then it was dargo Kelleth versus uh gut and gretchen and for a while i was really sort of critical about the decisions the dargo Kelleth player was making like mm -hmm. i thought that they they had a lot of opportunities to kill gretchen and they didn't they they pressured gretchen constantly like they they, they kept on attacking gretchen with Kelleth the horse who at that point had become big enough that it could kill Gretchen. It could kill Gretchen, the creature, but it didn't have trample or evasion or anything. Like it was just, right. it was just deleting a blocker every turn. <laughs> Whereas like, you know, he could have attacked with Dargo and just taken Gretchen out of the game, but he didn't. And so for a long time, I was like, this feels like a bad play. Like Gretchen, Gretchen looks like it. She's in a weak stance right now, but like she could, with the right top deck, she could combo out and win. Like, I think he needs to much more aggressively take her out of the game. Mm -hmm. But, like, in hindsight, what he was doing is he was making Gretchen the shared problem of the other aggro deck at the table, which was sure. the leader. So by keeping sure. Gretchen, like, limping along, he took a lot of pressure off of himself for a long time. While while Gut Leader was was also harassing and pressuring Gretchen, he wasn't doing anything to Dargo Kelleth. And while Gretchen was fighting for survival, Gretchen was bouncing skeletons and right. like spending resources to drain Gut Leader's position. So by the time Dargo Kelleth eventually did, you know, take out the the Gut and Gretchen player, I I think with a lightning bolt, honestly, I think. I think he got him down to five and like as soon as, or got him, got him down to three life. And then as soon as Gretchen tried some weird nonsense, he just ate a bolt to the face. Like that, <laughs> I think that was, that was the game when that happened. But like by the time he actually died, Darko Kelleth was still at something like 20 life and wow. gut leader was just like spent. He was out of resources. He was, you know, gut had died once the, the inspiring leader had died once and was just off board. Oh and wow! So, you know, at that point, Dargo Kelleth was just like, you know, thank thanks for spending all of your resources, you know, pressuring on Gretchen everybody with else. Me. Now, <laughs> right. like, what's your plan to deal with Dargo? <laughs> like, and there was no plan to deal with Dargo. Dargo yeah. just what, what, what's your plan to deal with this one mana seven five trample? Right with with this with this one mana 
ten eight trample. Like <laughs> so uh yeah, there turns yeah. out there was no plan to deal with the uh the ten eight trampler and it just yeah. So that was that was fascinating for me because in the moment I was being very critical of, of that player's decisions. Like I think he needs to press regression more, but like in hindsight, I feel like he played really skillfully and just very expertly and see that's a good skill that is something hard to master in a hyper aggressive deck is being able to play to the table well right also not not just like turn everything sideways knock out that player knock out that player knock out that player i win but being able to you know uh, almost aggressively manipulate the table into infighting pointing your attacks elsewhere letting me do my thing and then oh knock knock you're dead that's sorry <laughs> that's what continuously impressed me about this player was his ability to... he was playing a deck that by rights should have been berserk tier aggro but he was yes. playing Just, it in a way you look at the list and you're like oh my god this is non-stop aggressive right but like he slow rolled it all day long that's and like wild really really well speaking of that's impressive him slow rolling this uh I want to talk about the third match that I saw him in. Yes. Which is when this was this was a bizarre round. Round three <laughs> was Gretchen versus Gretchen versus Dargo versus Dargo. Oh my god. It was it was just the mirror match brute squad. Like it was Yeah. It was yeah. pretty silly. So uh we had this game where you know, there there were two Dargos on the field pretty quick, and the Dargos were turning sideways and pointing themselves at the Gretchens because there were two Gretchens on the field, and like yep. they both they you know they made combo attempts that got stopped. What is extra fascinating to me about this game is that the, the two Dargos, one of them was Dargo Kelleth, which is the the player that I was just describing, the 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 aggressive red white deck that that tried to slow roll the 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 game really effectively. I was one of them. The other one was Clay on Dargo Malcolm. And uh, what happened to this game was just another, to me, what looked like spectating, another just master course in like manipulating table politics. Uh, but this time, the Dargo Kelleth was the victim of it, <laughs> not not the perpetrator. Uh, uh-huh. So, you know, staring down two Gretchens, I think... I think the Dargo players can agree that the Gretchen players are the problem because those are the combo decks. You have to pressure sure. the combo deck. You have to you have to attack the combo deck to, to death, um, just to make sure that you don't abruptly lose the game out of nowhere. And yeah. that's and that's what they were doing. Uh, Clay got off to a really really slow start with Dargo Dargo Malgum this game. Like he missed he missed land drop number three. And so he, on his turn three, he did the main phase brainstorm Oof, to come mm-hmm. up with land number three. Didn't get it. And oh, then wow. put two non-lands on top of his deck, which oh, no. kind of means that you're going to miss land drops number four and five as well. So like he it sure does. He got off to a really slow start, and it was the Dargo Kelleth player that was pressuring the, the two Gretchens. And then you know Clay eventually got his Dargo online and was also pressuring them. Um, yeah, but he got into the situation where one one Gretchen was dead and out of the game, and then the the Dargo player was uh, the Dargo Kelleth was pressuring the other Gretchen, 
and Clay kind of set up the situation where he could, where the other Dargo player could attack Gretchen to death. And Bobby and I were commentating, and he's like, that that seems like on paper the right play, but then like, what does the other Dargo player do about the other Dargo's combo? Right. Because like at that point, Malcolm was also online, and I like. Again, I didn't have audio, but like I feel like there was this conversation happening where Clay was like, you got to kill the combo deck. You have to focus down Gretchen. You need to kill Gretchen. And like I feel like there was <laughs> there must have been some like really downplaying the fact like I'm also a combo deck. Like as soon as I resolve Reckless Fireweaver, it's game over. Cuz like we knew he had he had tutored, I think. The turn before he tutored for Trickery Charm which is the the blue instant that changes creature types. So we were mm-hmm. thinking, like as commentators, we're thinking like he has to have the fireweaver in his hand. He is ready to combo out at any moment. He's just going to wait for someone to to take out the other Gretchen player cuz Gretchen can stop that with counter spells, but Dargo can't stop that. Right. And that's exactly what happened. Uh Clay convinced the, I, I don't know how he convinced this this dargo player that he as a combo deck with trickery charm in his hand wasn't the threat but he did it <laughs> he convinced him that he wasn't the threat and he sent dargo straight down to to gretchen and gretchen like tried to fog or tried to do something clay clay was ready for it clay was helping out dargo with counter spells making sure this attack connected and Gretchen yeah. died and was out of the game. And then Clay instantly comboed. Just immediately. The instant Gretchen was out of the game, Clay was like, here's my combo and game over. And it was just... <laughs> GG's, right, sucker. Like, <laughs> I, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall to hear the conversation that led up to that moment. Because like, there's got to be some like, you know, get the combo deck like table talk going and it's like surprise like, it was me i was the combo deck all along lol elmeo yep. got him like <laughs> you got pub stomped sorry so yeah so like, those were um, target player that is that is the recap of all the games that i thought were really fascinating uh yeah that's really cool that's really cool yeah it was super fun to watch i'm i'm really excited about the next one yeah i am too and what's cool about these events is i mean basically everything you've been talking about it's not you know, we didn't sit here and go down the deck lists and compare one Gretchen list to the other. And why why is he running this card and they're running this card, yada, yada, yada. It's the when you get up to this high level of competitive play in our format, you not only have to play your deck well, but you have to play the table well. Yes. Which I am not good at. I, I'll just... I am- I am not good at it. I am at terrible <laughs> at it. I don't negotiate with Terrace. Like, as soon as anyone suggests to me that maybe I want to attack someone, <laughs> I attack whoever is speaking. <laughs> I, I like, don't negotiate with Terrace. I don't, I don't negotiate with any... Like, I... If you've ever watched a stream with Wales, he, Wales mentions this, like, you know, mono-red goblin brain. Like, I don't, I don't understand mm-hmm. what's happening. I'm just going to turn these sideways and point at a guy. Like, that's how... That's my approach to competitive... And it's yeah. a terrible approach to competitive. Right? It just <laughs> it does not make friends. It makes enemies. Yeah. So that's that's one thing that 
because I didn't really get to catch a whole lot of the stream. I was popping in and out, but that's one thing I found fascinating is to listen to you talk about it specifically without the audio on, like being able to read the players' movements and the outcomes and what led up to that and all that sort of thing. That's what is just very, very impressive to me that you can you can play at that competitive level while playing politics. Yeah. Like to me, that's just, that's not a skill that I'm ever going to learn to have both of. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've mentioned a couple of great examples of people doing it. Yeah. You know, um, I think, I think clay did it really well in that, that game I just described. I think that the Malcolm mm -hmm. Kellis player did it really well in the first match. Um, I, I never, I never got to hear the kind of things Gator was saying to anyone, but like he must have done a terrific job because he is. Oh sure, like, sure. I I don't know how you look at Abdel and send any aggression anywhere else at any table, but like he made people well, do it all day long. That's well, Gretchen wild was also me. sitting at the table. I I'm so much more scared of Abdel than Gretchen. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I think people's level of scared of Abdel versus Gretchen is going to be determinant on their experiences with their local metas. If they've never played against Abdel, or they don't participate in online discussion, they, they may not know. Sure. I think that's a very real possibility. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or, they may know, and they just may be more scared of Gretchen. Maybe. And we call that bad threat assessment <laughs> i yeah it could be recency bias you know like oh i've lost the last two pods i played to gretchen or whatever you know yep. could be anything i yep. absolutely i was i was watching a lot of that the the final match watching mm -hmm. people bully gretchen over and over again while abdel was just sitting there like to me <laughs> to me that felt like bad threat assessment Wrong. but yeah. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't there. I wasn't in the moment. I wasn't playing Magic for the six consecutive hours leading up to that moment. So like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't know how brain fried I would have been right then. But uh, yeah, sounds like an amazing event, though. Yeah, it was, it was good. I'm. I'm really. I'm really. Like, it feels weird to say that I'm excited that you know my my other plans got canceled and I was sick. But like, I I really am like excited that things worked out the way they did to, to allow me to participate in this thing. Yeah. Let's see if we can get the next one um, double the size or something. That'd be interesting to see what, what how the meta shakes out there. Yeah. Because it was, this event was free to enter. Mm -hmm. And they, as far as their upcoming events, they haven't said anything about charging a fee. So I don't want to say one way or another, but I don't think that's been talked about. So it's likely that they could be free again, but... I, Heck, I mean, know. honestly, even a small fee like five, ten dollars. Yeah, one hundred. Once a month for an online tournament, absolutely. Yeah, totally worth it. Mm -hmm. And really, you know, God, just looking at the top sixteen, like you're really sort of playing against some of the best players in the format, in the competitive realm, and in, in the pauper format, in absolutely the pauper format. So, I mean, that's that's worth. What do they say? That's worth the price of. Uh, entry right there definitely but cool well thanks dave for taking most of that over sounds like you had a good time i wish i would have been able to uh play in it actually but i'll try to get into the next one yeah definitely 
All right, moving down here. It doesn't look like we have any listener questions for the week, but we have a Liam question for the week. What? What is that about? Uh, that is about things. Um, <laughs> recently, a popular thing going around on the socials is people posting their favorite uh, EDH commander from before Commander Precons. Mm-hmm. So with that spirit in mind, I would like to know what everyone's favorite PDH commanders are from before the proliferation of Uncommon Legends in 2018. Let's start with Dave, because Dave was actually playing during that. Yeah, he was, he was playing entr- PDH. Entrenched in the format that. back then. From uh, before 2018. So if, if you want to count Rivals of Ixalan, even though it was 2018, sorry, it was right before Dominaria. If you want to count Rivals of Ixalan, it technically counts. You know, it was before Dominaria, but it was still 2018. But, you know, anything before that. So the, uh, from... The most well-known amongst my commanders from that era is certainly Marsh Crocodile, but I don't know if I'd call that sure. my favorite. Um, my favorite is probably Oz- Azra Oddsmaker. Ooh, okay. Might be okay. might be the winner here. I feel like it's probably either the Oddsmaker or Marty Roughrider. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, excellent choices. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna commit to Azra Oddsmaker. That's gonna, that's gonna be the one that I, I write down as uh, official. Nice. That's your final right. answer. Final answer. Azra Oddsmaker. Yeah, this was a, um, this was a hard question for me because, you know, I've played Magic on and off for since its inception, basically, but I've only been in the PDH the last few years, a couple years, whatever. So it's hard for me to mentally like separate out just uncommon creatures that I love from actual like favorite PDH commanders. You know what I'm saying? So I, I try to narrow it down to like decks I have built, commanders I have played from that sort of time range. And I, I narrowed it down to a few, but I think if I were to pick an absolute one, it would have to be probably Viscopa Guildmage. Mm. It's everything I want to do. It's, <laughs> I mean, that's it. It's everything I want to do in a PDH deck. It was one of the first I built. Actually, my very first Orzhov deck was Cliffhaven Vampire. And then I learned about the power of Vizcopa Guildmage, and I immediately built that one, and I've had it together ever since. Like, mm-hmm. it's one of the decks that I don't borrow cards from when I'm playing on stream or whatever. It's just... So, I think that's my answer. Yep. The Guildmage. What about you, Liam? Uh, mine would have to be, uh, the Anna Anna Battle Mage, uh, however you want to pronounce it, the ANA. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at all the commanders that I have built and all the commanders I've, I've, you know, theory crafted for, and that one just sticks out. I, I don't know why. It's, it's definitely because it's three color. I like three color the best. Yeah, I would not um, have pictured a Sultai choice for your answer, that's for sure. Yeah. But I, I think it sticks out because when I was when I was picking this, I also wanted to pick something that would have been relevant and buildable prior to 2018. Like okay. Ornithopter wasn't, you know, you could build it in 2018, <laughs> right? But it wasn't super good because we hadn't had any of the common colorless spells. So you were literally running Ornithopter and 99 equipment <laughs> right you know uh i'm thinking about some of the commanders i have built and like some of them are pre-2018 commanders but the cards that make them walk weren't printed until after 2018 so like i wanted to pick something that i would have built in that time frame 
and that likely would have been a three-color option, and looking, you know, at the Tarkir color combinations, which I resonate with more, that would be the Anna Battle Mage. That's a solid choice. Like, it, that feels like a very... I don't know. It feels like it feels like a a good choice for you. Like a, your reasoning felt like a personal choice. Like you actually really do enjoy that creature. I I'm being informed by sources that uh, Battle Bond, which is Oddsmaker set, was released in the middle of 2018. I'll count it. It's not a legendary. The point was avoiding legendaries. Okay. It it would Battle Bond as a set would have been designed in like 2017. So. Yeah. Okay. So you're good. You're still if you're good. if you're okay counting it, then I'll. If you're not okay I'll counting it, it, then uh, Mardu Refractor. <laughs> <laughs> still a good choice. No, I had some backup ones too, like Thrall Parasite. You know, I Dave introduced me to that one actually, so I haven't even that one's not even been on my radar forever. Even back in the day, it, it's a one mana extort creature that can be in the command zone. Like I can't, you just can't pass that up. <laughs> And then I always have fun playing like Bear's Companion, Messenger Falcons, which I just recently swapped out from Airy Mystics for my Birds deck. So, yeah, I think the the Guild Mage has got to be my number one. To answer the actual original question, Mm -hmm. my favorite EDH commander from before Precons is uh, Rakdos, the Lord of Riots. I think you've told us that before. That is a excellent one. Mm Mm-hmm. I, let me let me double check now to see when that was printed. That was printed in 2012. Return to Ravnica. Yep, that's that's before the precons, right? The first precon was 2013. Uh, 2012. Uh, you're killing me. <laughs> Actually, te- technically, the first Commander precons were 2011. 2011. That's the, what I thought. Yeah. The I, people keep saying it's 2012. It's 2011. In 2012, they had that uh, random Commander Arsenal product. Hmm. 2013 was the second round of precons, and then every year since then has been precons. Yeah. 2012 was not the first year of precons, and anyone who says it was is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Commander Arsenal was in 2012. 2011 was the first round. Ruhan of the Fomori is a 2011 date on him. Which one was that? Ruhan. He's he's the only one I, the only commander I just actually re- remember from that first round. Oh, okay. He's the, oh, yeah. the four mana seven seven that attacks at random. Nice. That seems fun attacking the opponents at random. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting. Sorry. Sorry. Right. Sorry. Right. Well, awesome. Did you? I know you talked about the entire tournament, Dave. Did you have anything else you want to add add to it? Uh, just want to make sure that I uh, I'm expressing my congratulations to Gator. You yes, did a, absolutely. You did a terrific job. Four four zero is uh like <laughs> you didn't. Th- that's wild. You didn't gotta do them like that, man. But you did. <laughs> but you did. <laughs> uh, yeah. So congratulations to Gator. Huge thanks to Bobby and Puzzle and uh, the, the judge was. I forgot the judge's name. There was they, they, common connoisseurs. Yeah, them common both connoisseurs at the like uh, everyone, finals table. Everyone involved in putting that on. Massive thank you to the work that went into it. Uh, I think that it was a great success. I think that you have a tremendous amount to be proud of. I'm really looking forward to the next one. Uh, let us know some details about it, and we, we would be delighted to promote it. Yes, absolutely, and. <sighs> it's so impressive what gator did like he didn't even take 
a mental break to like I'll just lose this game. I'm in the finals. It doesn't matter. Right. Let me just like refresh my brain, drink some water or whatever while I'm playing this game while I lose. No, we just no. like <laughs> just like just dominated. Line, line them up for me. I got yeah. I got stuff to do. Now sleep when I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So yep, big congrats there. So. Oh, all right. I think that wraps up this episode. So we're going to move on into the outro. If you need any more Popper Commander talk or have any questions about the format, you can always email the show at thepdhpod at gmail.com. You can head on over to the PDH Homebase's website. That'll take you right to their Discord server. You can find Liam and I on Twitter at Popper Command and Popper underscore B, respectively. And as always, you can find Dave as the Alcadron just about anywhere else PDH is being talked about or commentated, apparently. So that's yeah. nice. Um yeah, I guess that's about it. So uh, as episode 49 of the PDH pod comes to a close, we want to give a big thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their sweet tunes. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, brew a deck, uh, go 4 a tournament, I guess, and we'll see you in about a week. Peace. Cheers. See ya. Three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 49. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> <laughs> Be nice to Brad. <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs>